We're just going to give uh, a couple of minutes there, guys, that are joining, um, just to give a chance for everyone to, to flow in. But uh, welcome back. And feel free to start putting your questions into the questions tab as well. If you have any questions off the back of um, this week's module or, frankly, last week's uh, feedback. How did you guys find last week's module, module one? And there were a few of you kind of fed back to us that it was pretty intense. Quite a lot of work for, for a first module, but other people seemed okay with it. So kind of keen to hear from you guys where you're at. And going forwards from next week, we'll be having... Um, an outside guest, usually a mentor from our network, come in to present on a topic that's relevant but not perfectly aligned with that week's topic. So as an example, next week will be module three, which is going to be all around you guys identifying your audience. And we'll be bringing on one of our mentors, Mia Bennett, who's going to be giving a 30-minute masterclass on customer acquisition strategies. So audience acquisition strategies. Um, and we'll try and do as many of those as possible over the course of the program. Obviously, some weeks it might not be super relevant, but we're going to try and bring in a variety of outside uh, experts in to help you guys get a different perspective than maybe mine and Steve's. Because as we always say, even though sometimes we pretend to know it all, we, we definitely don't. Uh, and I think one of the valuable things of certainly a peer-to-peer -peer community like Underdog, but uh, you know any of the other mentor-led communities that I'm a member of, is getting the different perspectives from people who've had experiences that maybe um, are, are, are different than, than mine and Steve's or than your own. So we'll have Mia next week, um, and we'll probably kick off pretty promptly on time. Again, it will always be recorded, um, but you'll have the opportunity to ask questions to her about that specific customer acquisition for early stage startups topic, but also any questions about this week's module um, if you come live on the call. Yeah, so no questions so far. I'll give you guys a couple of minutes. Has anyone managed to watch the 30-minute recorded workshop yet? Have you managed to do that? Excellent. Good stuff. A couple of you have. Was it absolutely clear to you or did you have any questions off the back of it? Okay, so we've got a, a question on whether we've got any tips on writing a better hypothesis, which uh, we'll come back to. And I know one of the exercises was around focusing in on that experience piece. And the whole purpose of that second module is understanding yourself better and identifying that spike or that edge that you're going to have when, when you're going out to um, market your startup, essentially, whether that's to customers, investors, potential team members, but even frankly to yourself. And we all tell ourselves these stories as to why we're here and why we're doing what we're doing. And frankly, when the going gets tough, it is so, so, so important to be able to fall back on that narrative that we've crafted for ourselves. That kind of why. Um, so we've got the why in the, in the first week, but then our edge as well this week. And that edge is why us and why now? And that's what we really want to draw, draw out from this second module. Now, again, the, the value proposition and the hypothesis, all of that is going to change and evolve over time. The hypothesis specifically that that one question that we're going to go out and to test with the market in the coming weeks 
um, that is going to evolve over the course of those customer conversations, that customer discovery that we do. Uh, and we'll definitely talk more about that. Any other questions? Otherwise, what I might do is just quickly flick through the module workbook. And if you guys have got any questions as we go through, we can clarify those. And maybe just by me talking through it, that will help answer some of the questions that have been left unasked. All right. Um, so four and a half, because there was one bonus one, but four and a half assignments or deliverables for this particular week. Um, the personality piece I'm not going to dwell on. That's something for you guys to do, but also please, please, please for you guys to share with us because that might help us to better place you in the working group, which we'll be doing at the end of next week. So at the end of week three. Um, so please do, I mean, it takes probably 10 minutes or so, um, even less actually, eight minutes it reckons, and you can race through. But if you share that with us, and this is mine up on the screen here, um, you, um, you'll, you'll give yourselves and us a better opportunity to match you with relevant people for your working groups. Who's done this before and who perhaps found this a little difficult? Or were you guys able to absolutely nail the Ikigai? guy? Yeah, Bishoy is saying he found it a bit difficult. And Simon as well. Yeah. So what I would say to you guys is don't worry too, too much about getting it absolutely perfect. In fact, even so we've kind of, you know, we've tried to break it down here into each of the different elements so that we can try and find some commonalities for you to draw into. But really, this is very much, um, Lizzie said she's had the small crisis because she discovered she wasn't particularly unique. I think that's uh, the same as all of us, I'm sure. Um, but ultimately, here, don't stress too, too much about it. If I could just go back to this slide, what you'll see is it's more a thought experiment. So it's there to help you guys to maybe uncover some of those hidden gems that you've got in, in your back pocket that maybe you, you, you've overlooked. And I know that first week was very, very heavy on introspection and understanding you and your why as an individual. And this is more bringing that into the professional sphere as well, of course, tapping into your passions and what makes you, you, but really it's about taking that introspection and moving the spotlight from you onto your business. So that's the purpose of this. Uh, and Steve and I had a bit of back and forth. I said, look, let's just leave it in there. Yeah. So Bishoy said in the assignment, it sounds like we're looking for the four areas around the centerpiece instead of the actual centerpiece. And you're absolutely spot on. So we're trying to get you to identify those four kind of passion, mission, profession, and vocation pieces, and see if there are any commonalities that actually will then become your centerpiece. Because if we just go, okay, guys, figure out what you love, you're good at, the world needs, and you can be paid for, off you go. That might be even more overwhelming. So we've tried to narrow it down to those four separate elements and try and fit, try and push you into focusing that into that center, center Ikigai piece. And again, this is very much one of those that is for you, not for us. Um, wherever you end up is, is, is down to you. 
Uh, and obviously, again, it's going to evolve based on each of these elements, right? And particularly what we're going to be focusing on uh, in weeks four and five is on that far right piece, which is what the world needs. So hopefully we've already helped you to identify, if you didn't already know, what you love. And maybe a little bit in this week what you're good at. So what your, your edge or your spike is. And then in weeks four and five, we'll be focusing in on figuring out if your hypotheses, which we'll come to, actually um, merit a place in the world. As in, do people want whatever solution you're providing or whatever desired outcome you're promising to deliver? And then in future weeks, we'll be focusing on that, focusing in on that bottom bit, i.e. can you actually make this into a profitable business? So again, don't stress too much about this one. Don't be overwhelmed. It's here as a guide, um, certainly not a science. It's a little bit finger in the air and it is going to change and evolve. So we'll just skip through these slides. Who has had a go at this piece? So tightening up your experience within that value proposition. So that very last bit of the value proposition. Who's managed to have a go at that? Not yet. So for me, if there is one of these exercises that you focus in on, it should be this one. And I come back to it again and again and again. And we as a collective will continue to keep coming back to this idea of that value proposition. Keeping it short, sweet, condensed, all the gold in there and none of the rough stuff. And the entire purpose of this particular week's module, so module two, understanding and finding your spike, is for you to nail that experience piece in the value proposition. Now, again, exactly how we position it is going to evolve. But I want you guys to be 80 to 90% there with that particular element by the time we come out of this week. And there are different ways we can rank it. And perhaps what we'll do is we'll go through that as you guys start posting them in the module to value proposition channel. We'll start helping you to zero in on what the best elements are of your experience that most closely align with and support your value proposition. Because I've seen certainly in some of the submissions so far that perhaps you've got a ton of experience, right? And, and you've done great stuff. But what you're showing me, because of course we're not mind readers, right? We can only uh, we can only base your experience on what you tell us. What you're showing me from your experience doesn't always necessarily align directly with the desired outcome that you're promising your audience or your ability to execute on that solution in order to help them get to that desired outcome. So we want everything that goes into that experience portion to be directly relevant and applicable to that. So hopefully that's clear. And my advice to you guys would be, don't be shy. Just absolutely smash everything in there. If you've got a GCSE in um, natural sciences or something like that, and your startup is in, um, I don't know, your startup's in med tech, maybe there's like a cursory connection there. But of course, we'll probably say to you, yeah, that's maybe less relevant than the five years uh, of medical school that you did. Really? Um, of the three years of 
frontline ambulance service work that you've done. That might be more relevant. So it's both a case of experience in terms of, uh, of tenure, length of time that you've done it, but that's less, less helpful to me than the skills that you've developed and that you've demonstrated. And actually, frankly, better than that are the actual outcomes that you have achieved. So if you think about what we, we, we say, like initially, I think, Steve, you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I think initially we were talking about the fact that we've been in the, in, you know, in the startup industry for 15 years on average or something like that. And, um, we've helped mentor tons of founders. How relevant is that though, to our value proposition, which is, or, or rather the desired outcome of our value proposition, which is that we want to help you guys build, build awesome businesses and really actually launch them from day zero through to day one or step one. It's probably less relevant than the actual success stories that we've got, where either we've done it ourselves or we have directly helped others to achieve the same outcome that you're looking to achieve. And in future weeks, we'll be talking about uh, the value equation, which I'm pretty sure was created, or if not created, then adapted by a chap called Alex Hormozy. Uh, and that's a four-part value equation that will really, really help us to narrow in our value proposition. But we're not going to present that to you today. If you want, you can go and research it um, yourselves. But I would say just lean into this particular process and start figuring out how your experience directly represents your ability to get the desired outcome that your audience wants, or that we are hypothesizing that your audience wants. So that's the purpose of this particular exercise. And for me, probably the most important one for this week. Um, a close second is going to be picking the subject area because this subject area is going to directly impact your next week's work. And next week, module three, as you'll remember, is all about choosing your audience. So until we know the broad brush subject area that aligns with who you are as an individual and your professional skill set, it's going to be really difficult for us to narrow in on that particular audience. And that audience, by the way, is just an initial audience that we'll be, we'll be doing some customer discovery with. It's not to say that just because you pick that audience today, it will remain your audience into perpetuity. You might choose to switch niches. You might choose to expand your niche, or you might choose to narrow down even more. Right now, we don't know. That's going to be based on the results of our customer discovery in weeks four and five. But for now, we need a starting point. And that's why we're asking you to pick a subject area. But again, pick a subject area not based on the outside and externalities, but based on your internalities. So what skill sets do you have? What spike have you identified? that you think, hence why this is a hypothesis, that you think will be needed or wanted by the market. And hopefully as well, fingers crossed, you can also make money from. So that is what we're trying to get, get at here. What's your initial hunch or hypothesis that you're going to be testing based not on what's outside, because that's what we're going to be testing, but based on your hunch as to what you're good at, what you're passionate about, and what you think the wider world might need.
any thoughts on that? I know there was a question in there from Lizzie about this earlier. Perhaps it will help if we share ours. So obviously you guys are familiar with our overarching mission, even if you're not familiar with the current iteration, and it's always changing, but the current iteration of our value proposition. But ultimately, when we set out to build Underdog, when we set out to build Underdog, there were a number of assumptions that we were making. And that's frankly, the individuals just like you wanted the freedom and flexibility that comes from running their own business. So if no one wants that desire and outcome, if no one wants to run their own business, obviously we're dead in the water. So that's one assumption that we're making that has made it into this initial hypothesis that, that we have gone out and tested. But then there's a second element to that, which is if everyone wants it, but they can already get it pretty easily, there's no gap for us to fill. So as well as assuming that you guys want to start running your own business, we are also making parallel assumption that you're struggling to get started and to get started right so that early phase that zero to one phase that we like to think we specialize because it might be okay yeah everyone finds it super easy to get started but they're really struggling to grow or they're really struggling to uh to monetize or to find customers or they're really struggling with product development specifically so we've decided to focus in temporarily on that early stage, but to do everything in that early stage. Is that the right assumption? I guess time will tell, right? So two assumptions there that are forming our hypothesis. And then on top of that, we're tapping into our experience piece. So that other element. Uh, so the essentially the answer to exercise three, which was around tapping into that experience. So here, what we're really looking at are the right hand and the bottom circle in that Ikigai model. So the right hand being, do people want it? They want this outcome, yeah. They may be struggling also to achieve that outcome on their own, and we can actually deliver for them. That's kind of what we're looking at here. don't know if that's made it any clearer if you've got any more questions on that feel free to type them in the chat and we'll do our best to uh to clarify and again this is so so important because and it doesn't need to be perfect and it is going to change and evolve but this is ultimately what is going to drive us to again identify that audience in week three for sure but really to go out and to test or to have in the back of our minds when we're doing that customer discovery in the following weeks if we don't have a hypothesis, if we don't have any assumptions to test, maybe that's okay as well, right? We can go out and we can totally um, sort of sweep up everything that's in the market and we're just there in listening mode. Maybe that's okay. But I think in my mind, it's helpful to go out at least with a hypothesis to prove or disprove. And we're not going out selling, we're not going out um, saying, yeah, we have all the answers. We know what you want. Absolutely not. And we'll talk more about how we do that customer discovery in a smart and efficient way in week, uh, week four, I think. That'll be the first time that, that we really dig deep into that. But at the end of the day, we don't want to be going out there completely blind 
because it's going to be down to us to focus the conversation in on topic areas that we're most interested in. And we can only do that if we've got a set of assumptions that together make a hypothesis that we are testing. And Bishoy has got a question regarding his experience. Let me come back to that in one second. Uh, what I'll do is just quickly talk about this bonus task, which is based on that book, The Luck Factor by Professor Richard Wiseman, who's a professor of psychology. Um, I would say, even though it's a bonus one, I would say you are going to get super far ahead just by starting this now, because in weeks, well, maybe even from next week, but certainly from week four and five, it's going to be your job to go out there and to acquire customers. So not necessarily customers who are going to be paying you, but individuals who are going to be paying you with their time in order, in order for you to ask them questions about the hypothesis or the business proposition that you are formulating currently. So this cold outreach or this initial go at cold outreach might really, really help to at least break that. It's often quite a large barrier, right? That people are scared to, to break into. So it will help you to, through immersion therapy, essentially, which I'm a, I'm a big fan of, it will help you to simply get used to that, to understand what works and what doesn't in your particular style of cold outreach. We've given you a guide within there as to how we might do it, but your mileage might vary and your style will certainly vary. So it will be down to you to start formulating and testing different approaches uh, and different ways of reaching out and really, frankly, getting used to rejection. That's a big part of it. In life, um, and certainly when it comes to the world of startups, you've got to get used to being a little bit cheeky and to asking for things that uh, might be a little bit out of scope for a normal person. So go out there. I would really suggest you do this as a bonus, right? Don't focus on it. But if you've got time, do try and do this and reach out to these five potential connectors. And you never know, you might get a positive outcome off the back of that, and that will set you up in good stead for the coming weeks. So I can see we've got a question in the chat uh, from Bishoy, and there's also one from Simon on the questions tab. So we'll look at uh, Bishoy's one first. I've got a question regarding my experience. I'm looking to build a business in the personal finance space. However, I don't work in this, in this particular area. I'm an engineer by profession. However, I do have a blog in this space. Is that sufficient experience? So in short, yes, absolutely. And even if you had zero experience whatsoever, there were going to be other elements of your life that will actually focus in on this. There's a reason that you've chosen this space. And actually the fact that you are already blogging about it, maybe in a personal capacity, is telling me that this is an area that one, you're interested in, two, you've probably got a passion for, and three, you have taken the time to personally research. And maybe, ideally, fourthly, you have achieved results either for yourself or even better for other people off the back of delivering this content in blog format. And um, so I would say that is, that is helpful. But really, what I'm looking for as a potential member of your audience or as a potential customer or as an investor or as a vendor or any other third party that you might want to bring into your orbit, what I'm looking for from that experience piece 
is comfort that you are going to be you are going to be capable of delivering that desired outcome for me. If you're incapable of doing that, or you are giving me signs and signals that you are incapable of doing that, of course I'm not going to engage with you. So that's the entire purpose of that experience piece: to credentialize you and to encourage your your potential audience in whatever bucket they might fit to actually engage with you and to give you the chance to prove your worth. Any thoughts on that, Steve, on top? I can see you kind of nodding away. I, I totally agree. I think, you know, there, there's a big part of this uh, experience piece, which is we, we spoke about briefly uh, last week, which is that sort of um, imposter syndrome element, right? Which is it's very common for us to maybe, in a lot of cases, maybe talk down our experience and actually realize, like Bishop said, you've got a blog in the space. And as Mike mentioned, that to me shows a lot of interest. Um, and actually, potentially expertise that you have uh, either self-taught or um, researched that will actually, you know, as a customer, probably be reflected in your product. So don't be afraid of your experience either. Um, and, and this is why we're really trying to get you to be broad is because it will surprise you really when you dig down just where you have found your experience and just how long that you have been potentially researching, learning about this topic, been interested in it on a, on a more general sense um, and why we are really, really uh, sort of hammering these ideas is that it will get you to really dig deep and think into areas that maybe you wouldn't have had you rushed into the process of building a venture like this. Um, you will tap in and find little nuggets of of um, experience that you simply wouldn't have looked at if you had just decided to launch this without really going through these steps. So break through that imposter syndrome and be confident of your experience and then lean on the process to go and really find it from all angles. That's a really good point, Steve. And imposter syndrome is rife in the world of startups. And indeed, some of the most successful founders have got this sense of either imposter syndrome or a chip on their shoulder. And this kind of need, this never-ending, undying need to prove to the world that they are worthy or prove to the world that they are worthy. And if that is you and you are able to tap into that, that is going to be an edge or an element of your edge in itself. So really, really powerful point there, Steve. Thank you. Any other thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I can see Bishoy said... He's got major imposter syndrome. Yeah, the, many of us do. I can't say I particularly do. I just keep myself at a, at a general level. Um, I'm always thinking, why would someone listen to me over someone with a finance, accounting background, etc.? Well, actually, and let's dig into that. I can see there are other questions coming in, but let's dig into this because I think this is super, super important and it is going to be for all of you. So however you look at yourself, even if you're looking at that as a disadvantage. As an example, I'm not an accountant. I don't have a background in personal finance. Um, so therefore, I am unqualified to talk about that topic. Well, one, absolutely not, right? Um, there had to be, well, you're going back probably millennia here, right? But at one point, there was someone who invented accountancy. And even today, the standards are changing, not, not all the time, right? But there are new standards being released, different ways of doing things. Um, one of the things that I love doing in my life, not, not necessarily in, in finance specifically, but in general, I like to find loopholes and ways around stuff, if only to close them, uh, not necessarily to exploit them. 
but there are people who are in this world who are innovating on the status quo. And just because you don't have a traditional background in that specific field doesn't disqualify you from presenting yourself as a subject matter expert if you have got something valuable to give. And a lot of what we do here, and in fact, really the basis of Lean Startup methodology is the scientific method, which I'm going back on going back to my uh, undergrad in philosophy here, but I think was um, Karl Popper's way of looking at the world. So again, coming up with these hypotheses and then going out and empirically testing them in the wider world. So what we can do, the ultimately the proof is in the pudding, right guys? If you are presenting yourself as an expert in this field, even a self-taught expert, like Steve said, and you are unable to get your audience that desired result, you are going to fail. If you've got 20 years of accounting experience and an MBA from Harvard Business School, and you sat on the board of a multinational corporation on the audit committee, but you can't deliver the outcome for your audience, you're also going to be found out and you're going to fail. But if you're an upstart, an underdog, guys, that's why we've called this the underdogs community. If you are an underdog and you come from that non-traditional background, but you can deliver, you can provably deliver results for your audience, results that they want, of course, then you are going to survive. But the hurdle that you have to overcome, the hurdle you've got to overcome in that case is having an awesome product, but no one willing to try it out. And that's what we're trying to bridge. We're trying to bridge an awesome solution that you guys will be developing with the actual audience that wants the outcome that your solution can deliver. And the, you know, one of the many ways that we can look to bridge that is by positioning you as the subject matter experts. And it is absolutely fine to be, to have this kind of um, counter-cultural narrative. And by that, what I mean is to be different from the norm. And Steve and I often talk about liquid death, the water brand, that is not just plain water. They've got this kind of punky element to it. And it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's taking a commodity, which is water, but it's rebranding it for people who wouldn't normally engage with that particular uh, that particular product. They wouldn't go out and buy a bottle of Evian or Voss or, or whatever else. And I think what you guys can do is tap into that um, kind of, I guess, abnormal or, or underdog experience that you have. And rather than saying, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm also an accountant. How many accountants are there in the world? Millions, probably. Millions. Millions of accountants in the world. Actually, I am providing a fresh and different take. And that is based on X, Y, and Z. And this goes back to what I was saying before, right? Years of experience in this field. Well, kind of, it's maybe interesting, right? Maybe, maybe that gives me a bit of comfort. And actually what gives me even more comfort is outcomes, positive outcomes of that desired result that you have achieved, either for yourself, for a small number of people, or ideally a large number of people. So if you can say, in your particular case, Bishoy, if you can say, I have been running a personal finance blog that has helped 5,000 people achieve X, Y, or Z. Oh my gosh, that would be incredible, right? That would be incredible. And if you can't do that, then we 
narrow it down until we can credibly say whatever it is that, that you have done. And then we try and amplify that over time and start building those proof points. Unfortunately, guys, unfortunately, in the same way as in that very first week, I couldn't give you a teleport machine. I can't give you a time machine either. I can't turn back the clock 10 years and help you to build out all, all the experience that you might want in order to be able to launch today. But as we talked about on last week's call, Steve Jobs, off, uh, well, he used to talk about connecting the dots backwards. And actually, a lot of the time, what we tell ourselves or what others tell us about their backstory, you know, that it was planned and prepared and this is what they would know, that they'd always wanted to end up as an accountant in a FTSE 100 company. No, probably not, right? A whole series of coincidences happened and they ended up on, on, on the path they're on. So we can't turn back the clock, but we can try and pick out these points or these dots, and then we can try and connect them to where we are today. And even if we can't get all of the way there, we can certainly start building out those data points that will support our story going forward. So that's what I'd say to you. Hopefully that was helpful. Because we've got a couple of other questions in here as well. Um, a question here by Lizzie in the chat. Some of the very best connectors I found are very protective of their communities. Are there good ways of breaking down those guards? So actually, I mean, look, great point. But remember, for this particular stage, we are not looking at accessing their community. I mean, heck yeah, right? We're all protective of our connections. I certainly am. Because by passing you onto any of my connections, I'm vouching for you. And if I, especially if it's a cold outreach and I don't know you, that is a massive, massive, massive ask. So I would say keep the ask low. Ultimately, why we're saying, oh, is there anyone in your network that, that might be appropriate? It's not because we want access to their network. That's not the case. It's just to give them a get out of free jail um, card. So it's similar. I don't know if you guys have ever been approached by executive headhunters or executive search professionals. So often they won't go, hi, Mike. Uh, I've checked out your background. I think you'd be great for this job because they don't know how I'm going to react to that. That's very presumptive, right? Am I even looking for a role? Is this role even suitable for me? Would I see it as suitable for me? They might, but they don't really know me. So instead, one of the trips, I used to run um, uh, an exec search agency for, for startups and scale-ups. So I've got a bit of experience in this. But again, similar to Bishoy, I came at that with no background in recruitment other than being at the other end of it, right, as a, as a candidate and having hired. I didn't have a background in recruitment, but I turned that to my advantage because I said to my clients, well, what the standard agencies, what everyone else does is this. What we do is different. And not everyone liked it, right? Not everyone wanted to give us that chance, but those that did, guess what? We got them kick-ass results. We used to say quicker, faster, cheaper. Well, I hate the term cheaper, so I kind of changed it to better value. But ultimately, quicker, faster, cheaper results and better. Um, and the proof then was in the pudding because those same clients came back to us again and again and again, even though our approach was different to the norm. So you can start building out your credibility and your proof points as you build. But again, 
why we say to ask, oh, is there anyone in your network that might be interested in helping out, is not to actually get access to their network. It's a red herring. It's a bit of a Trojan horse, really. What we really wanted them to go is, uh, well, look, I'm not going to open my black book to you. However, I would be willing to give you a bit of advice. But rather than outright asking them. So if I say to Steve, Steve, are you willing to help me? Yes or no? It's absolutely binary, right? Are you willing to tell me yes or no? If I say, is there anyone in your network who might help? You might go, it's unlikely that he's going to go, no, my network is so terrible. There's no one that could help you, even though this is my area of expertise. So it doesn't allow them to say, no, there's no one in my network. They can ignore you for sure, but they're more likely to come back and say, ah, look, I'm not going to open my black book, but potentially I can help you out. Tell me a bit more. And you start that conversation. Once you've got them hooked, then it's your job to reel them in and to start building that that relationship with them. But again, that's why it's so important for it to be, for whatever you're asking us to be very low friction. We don't want it to be a big ask. We want it to be as easy an ask as possible for that individual to actually deliver for you. And that's why I hate these things. I get, get them all the time, especially on LinkedIn, which is full of spam these days. All the time I get people going, hey, Mike, la, 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 la. Are you free for a quick 15-minute call sometime this week? Well, no, I'm not. I'm busy, right? The last thing I want to do is hop on the telephone call with some random stranger that I don't know for 15 minutes. That is a bad call to action. A terrible ask. I'm intrigued, by the way, why they still do it. Because I can't imagine that anyone ever wants to hop on a call with them. But hey-ho, I guess it must be working. Maybe it's like those... There's kind of spam emails that you get that, you know, from the Nigerian prince that's won the lottery. I guess some people must actually truly believe that and, and fall for it, but they're in the minority. What we're looking for is something scalable that we can go out there and replicate and to replicate with smart, influential connectors, the people that we want within our network. So we've got to think a bit smarter than the norm. Any thoughts on that, Steve? I've got a few more, but keen to, to hear your thoughts. Um, yeah, I, I would say as well is you would also be surprised. And I, I guess there's, there comes a lot of fear with, as well with reaching out to people, especially if they may, maybe appear to be, uh, sort of on a, on an experienced pedestal, let's put it that way. Um, and we can be kind of, uh, a bit nervous to kind of reach out to these people. And I think it's that wedge. If you can find that commonality, even is a way in. And actually, a lot of the times people are willing to help. Uh, I think Mike actually touched on this last week, is you will be very surprised at how many people are just willing to just either provide feedback or hear what you're working on. And so this is that that piece that, that Mike said, which was uh, last week about, you know, kind of going out there and saying, hey, do you want to hear what I'm working on when we go out and get that first pound, that first dollar? And, you know, would you like to just stay in the loop? Um, and actually, you know, there can be very small things you can find commonality in, right? It could be the same uh, university that they went to, or perhaps, um, you know, there's a similar newsletter. So, you know, obviously in, in, in LinkedIn, there's all these kind of different newsletters and, and mini communities. And it could be as simple as seeing them on one of these communities and there's a, or an interest or a post that they've spoken about and just connecting on your point of view on something that they've shared. Um, and actually not looking really to sort of, uh, 
you know, approach it from a way where they might think you're trying to sell them something, which we know you're not, right? But we all know and we know how to spot these uh, these messages that come into us on, on platforms like LinkedIn. So, you know, I'd say find that commonality. Don't be afraid because, yeah, of course, you're going to get no's. You're going to get people that ignore you, right? Uh, it's totally normal. Um, but you would be surprised, uh, particularly on the, the most recent uh, kind of accelerator that Mike and I were on together, is just the commonality of, of being part of that community. And, and, and even though it's not, it wasn't public that we were on this accelerator, simply starting a conversation saying, hey, we, we, you know, we were on this program, people to kind of connect. And conversations started that way, right? Um, and then from that subsequent other conversations, which was just responding to people's posts relating to the program or people's posts, uh, this, this particular program was, was in, in this sort of venture building and uh, fund, sorry, venture fund building. And, and just like, you know, making those small connections was enough to kind of build our network in that way. So, you know, don't, don't, don't be, don't be afraid, um, of that. And, uh, yeah, you, again, this probably comes similar to kind of looking into your experience. You would be surprised how much a small commonality you could find with people that you maybe would put on a pedestal, which you really probably don't need to. Thanks, Steve. Really, really good points again. Um, and ultimately, we're all human, right? And we're all different as individuals, but I always think back to Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I think at the top is self-actualization or something like that. If I think back to my uh, business studies in GCSE, or GCSE business studies, yeah. And people want to feel valued, right? If you are taking the time to go out and to ask in a low, impact way for their input especially and this is one of the benefits this is one of the benefits of being uh let's say less experienced or younger in age is that you have a bit more leeway to go out and to ask for advice than you might do if you're more advanced in career but you know even having said that the older i get the more confidence i have to actually go out and to ask and as steve said you will be absolutely shocked at how many people come out of the works to assist you because people are fundamentally good. Not everyone, right? But the majority of people are fundamentally good and they want to see you do well. And it makes them feel good if they help you along along that way. It's super powerful. Um, we've got one, uh, it's not really a question, but one one kind of feedback on our, on our hypothesis or our value proposition from Simon here, who said, in his view, getting started is the main challenge. So you guys getting started on your businesses, taking that first step from zero to what, or in fact, even getting to the starting line at zero is the main challenge, um, which is good to hear. But of course, there's a certain degree of uh, survivorship bias or maybe cognitive dissonance or whatnot here, and that you've chosen to join the program. And that's how we've positioned it. So of course, you are going to think that that is the case. Otherwise, you wouldn't necessarily be here. So we've also got to be thinking, you know, we're all the time, we're testing our hypothesis, not just with you guys, right? It's an ongoing process. We're continuously evolving uh, and adapting it to what we see as the needs in the market. Uh, but good to hear that it did resonate with you. And again, thank you so much for joining. Uh, and then you said you can see that we, we've got the expertise in the proven methodology. Yeah. Uh, also good to hear. But again, the proof's in the pudding, right? If we cannot deliver for you guys, if we can't get you at the end of these 12 weeks to a validated business idea, then not only have we failed you and ourselves, but we failed the business. 
because you're not then going to go out and to say, actually, these guys know what they're talking about and they have achieved this result or, or this result for me or these results for us. So that's why we're so invested in your success. It's almost selfish in some respects, right? I mean, genuinely, me and Steve love the world of startups and we love to see you guys doing well. And we truly believe that you are going to be building the companies of the future. But it reflects one on us as well, right? So it is fundamentally selfish. So we're not all that nice after all, guys. All right. Um, Lindsay said she had to jump to a flight. All right. Have a safe flight. Um, and Simon has said, love the accountability. All right. Good stuff. Um, any more questions before we announce our speaker for next week? I guess one thing I wanted to bring up just before as well is ju just a reminder. I know I've uh, popped it in the chat and stuff, but, you know, Mike and I said from the start, you know, um, Obviously, this is a kind of a free, inclusive program. We want, you know, as many people to get involved as possible, but we also want to keep it super uh, valuable for you guys and, and also, you know, provide as much value and really keep the community working together at the same level. So, you know, we are going to be closing uh, cohort one, being the cohort that you guys are on this Sunday. So the group that we have as of uh, Sunday is going to be the group that got to come through the program together. And that's really to get you guys to really you know, start to know each other and support each other on this journey. And, um, you know, keeping that group kind of, uh, exclusive is, is going to really help you guys, uh, on the journey. But in saying that there is still time to get people in. So, you know, we encourage you guys, I know we've said this before, but really, if you do have anyone that you feel could take benefit, you know, Sunday, we will close it down. And that's really as well, because, you know, as we get to kind of module, the end of module three, it's going to be quite difficult for someone to really catch up. Now, the first uh, two, well, three modules are going to be open on the platform, but from three onwards, they're going to be released based on um, submission. So, although we're not we're not strictly marking any of your uh, assignments, i.e., there's not sort of a pass or fail, right? We just want to see you guys kind of put in the work, um, which is ultimately going to achieve the outcome that you desire, being you know your startup, your venture launching. Um, eventually but really by submitting your your uh diamonds i.e be sort of get it done um is better than getting it uh, perfect you know means that we will unlock that for you guys and then you'll be able to follow the track now if some of you guys are ahead we can look into seeing how we can kind of like you know maybe get some some stuff out to you guys who are kind of maybe a little bit further ahead but ultimately um coming in the process all together is going to mean that you know you guys are all kind of at a similar level and you're really going to take even more value as time goes along and ultimately hopefully build uh friendships and and, and strong networks within each other um as you go through the process so yeah just wanted to add that yeah th thanks steve and just to double down on that the part of the reason this is a cohort-based course and we don't just release all the modules out to you in one go and you can you know uh digest at your leisure or gobble down all you can eat in, in half a day. Part of the reason that we sequentially release the modules on a week-by-week -week basis is one, to allow you guys, yeah, to progress at a similar pace so that we can tap into the cohort effects and the benefits of being part of a cohort in the program. Because the people that you meet over the course of this program who are part of your cohort and even more specifically part of your working groups will potentially be the lifelines that you lean on 
through the highs and the lows of your journey in the world of startups. So we want to foster that deep connection with each other because it's peer-to-peer, right? It's a peer-to-peer program. And even though, yes, on these live calls, it's us speaking to you, once you get into your working groups, you're going to have the ability to connect on a peer-to-peer basis and actually form those deep bonds and those connections, which we're hoping will then translate over to the platform itself. So that's why we sequentially release the modules on that week-by-week basis. But also, we've not just made it up, right? We've literally made it up. It is our work and it, it, it's come from a ton of experience that, that, that we've developed. But what that experience has told us, what that experience has told us, and again, going back to Bishow, right? Well, actually, I'm an MBA lecturer or guest lecturer, but you know, I'm not a professional teacher. So, yeah. In terms of my experience of creating courses and the like, this is the first one that, that Steve and I have done. But we, we're coming at it from a slightly different perspective. And we're taking all these different learnings from all the different types of educational inputs that we've had over the course of our lifetimes. And we've tried to cherry pick the best. But we're open to, we're open to changing and we will continuously evolve as we always do. But why do I say that? I say that because what our experience has told us is that a lot of people skip these early steps and they think, ah, oh, I've already got my idea. I just want to get building. No, 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 no. There's a reason half the flipping program will be over before we get to your idea. And even if you've come to the program with a very specific idea that you should have been tested and validated, what we're hoping is the foundations that doing the find your why, the find your spike, niching down and identifying that audience and then all that customer discovery in the um, second quarter of the program, all of that is going to leave you with a much stronger idea that has the potential for you to rocket ship in, and it's not a long time, right, in the final six weeks of the program, where we'll be trying to get you to data validated, demand validation. So not made up stuff where we're like finger in the air. Yeah, well, you know, I spoke to my auntie Mary and she said she'd like it. No, 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 no. Mass market validated idea. That's what we're looking to get you, you guys to. But that demand has been ratified by the outside market in a meaningful way. Using data and metrics that we'll explore with you in the second half of the program. But... And a lot of people, you know, yeah, we talked about imposter syndrome earlier, but also other people have got the opposite, right? They think they're better than they are. If you ask someone, um, are you above or below average intelligence? Almost everyone's going to say above average intelligence, or at least everyone that I know. Um, but the reality is literally half the world is of below average intelligence. Literally half the world is of below average intelligence. So we often, as humans... And this is a great benefit as well, but we often overestimate our potential. And that is great, right? I would rather overestimate and shoot for the stars and get halfway there. But by overestimating our potential, we're also at risk of going down rabbit holes that lead to nowhere. So that's why we want to get actual data and metrics, but that are backed up by an idea that has evolved from all these threads that we're exploring in this first half of the Catapult program. So please don't jump ahead. Please, please, please. It's the one big ask that uh, we, we covered in the pre-course call. 
just trust the process. Trust the process. And if at the end of it, you've got feedback and thoughts and you're saying, actually, you know, I'd rather have got stuck straight in, please also give us that feedback, but just try it for now. Suck it and see, as they say. Um, all right, I'm going to quickly share um, our announcement for next week. So next week, we've got the pleasure to have Mia Bennett, uh, who's a super experienced entrepreneur, come join us. And she has bridged the gap between working for big corporates, similar to me, I suppose, working for big corporates and also starting our own thing and working with other startups. Um, and she's going to be giving us a free masterclass for the first 30 minutes of next week's Q&A. So same time, same place, but for the first 30 minutes from 7 to 7.30 UK time, Mia's going to be uh, presenting this masterclass on customer acquisition strategies for early stage startups. So for people just like you, right? And like us as well, we uh, drink our own Kool-Aid. We, we have already been putting into place many of the strategies that Mia has shared with us previously. So she's going to be coming on board next week. Because of the timings, we're going to be starting promptly. Um, if you guys have had any issues getting in on time, by the way, let us know. We we tend to open the room at, at seven o'clock, but um, if there are any issues in terms of it counting down to let you in or whatnot, just let us know. But we hope to see as many of you as possible on next week's call. We'll also be opening up the call to um, people who are not yet part of the underdog community who might get benefit from this. Um, so we would encourage you to share the invite far and wide. It's going to be in the platform, but we'll also be sharing it on our socials and so LinkedIn and Twitter, uh, both in the personal capacity and via our underdog uh, LinkedIn page. So keep an eye out for that. Stick it in your diaries. Uh, if this slot isn't permanently booked out for the next, what, 10 weeks now. Um, and we're really, really excited to welcome Mia on board. I think from us, that's probably it, isn't it, Steve? I feel I've forgotten to say something, but um, we, we, we can maybe save that until next week. If, if there are not any final questions, uh, we'll call it a day. But thank you guys for, for, for coming and for engaging. And to those of you who asked questions, hopefully they were answered. Uh, if you've got any follow-up questions, as always, as always, reach out to me, me and or Steve on the platform or via email. But really, really appreciate it, guys.